ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Soulful MBA podcast. Today's topic is all about meaning. I'm Jenny Barcelos and I'm joined with my co-host Sandy Connery. Hey Sandy. Hi Jenny. Hi everybody. And today we are going to give you a little bit of an overview of why we think meaning is maybe the most misunderstood concept in business and why we think more people need to be talking about meaning as entrepreneurs and in entrepreneurship. So Sandy, we have kind of a two-part framework for thinking about meaning in, in our work. And we think this framework may be helpful for some of our listeners and some members in our community. And it's not something we've ever publicly talked about, but there's a book out and you're holding it right now. So I'm going to let you talk about it for a second. Sure but there's am. a book out in the in a, a popular nonfiction book um, that's sort of on every in every bookstore I've been in lately that's just sort of exploding out into the scene. And so I think it's, it's appropriate in terms of timing to begin to discuss this concept. So Sandy, why don't you just kind of tell folks about what this book is? Yeah, sure. For first, let me say that I'm on page six, so <laughs> I don't really feel quite qualified to summarize the book yet, but I, I bought it just actually yesterday because of conversation that you and I have been having lately about happiness and meaning and purpose and you know why are we building this business and a couple other things have happened in my life that have sort of pushed me toward this like what are you doing and why and so I saw this on the shelf and I had heard you mention it and I think this book the first six pages have been really interesting and interesting in a way that this conversation is not happening right now in, you know, in social media and in people talking about their businesses and um, sort of the, the reason that they're doing things. People are focused on happiness and self-help. But I think now I'm realizing, I think I'm speaking from personal experience too, that there's something missing. And I think this book is going to fill in that gap. And the conversation we're planning on today is going to hopefully fill in that gap. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, and I, I kind of wanted us to record this episode before reading that book because I want us to sort of put out our original thinking on this topic. Mm. Um, and then maybe we'll record a second podcast on this topic later after we've been informed by this book. But I, I personally have some really strong feelings on this topic. And I think I've been very frustrated in the world of entrepreneurship, at least to the extent that I've been in it, that this is a concept that's not really talked about at all. I think there are huge ethical issues associated with starting a business and running a business. Um, and we often just sort of ignore those things in pursuit of money or happiness, money, growth, <laughs> profit. Yeah. So, um, those, those are all important concepts, but meaning is also really important. And we have, I think collectively, we have some shared experiences and some individual experiences in business where we've been around kind of folks who didn't, didn't place very much value on meaning. And so we'll get into that a little bit in this episode as well. So let's just kind of break down the two different aspects of meaning that we're going to talk about today. So one is the personal meaning. So does your work have personal meaning for you in your life? Do you feel driven or um, do you feel in some way called to do the work that you're doing? 
or to build the business that you're building. So that's, that's this basic sense of meaning. And I think that is talked about a little bit more than the other part, but still not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other kind of meaning that we're talking about is the overall meaning of the body of work itself. Like does what you're doing make a difference to the world? Like does your contribution matter to a bigger agenda or a bigger group of people in, in any real way. And I, and I think like that is a, a terrifying question to ask ourselves for me coming from being sort of a social justice advocate and nonprofit worker and university instructor, like that's all I cared about for most of my career. And so to me, like to not think about that is so absurd. Like Hey, I have this one precious life. Is this actually having an impact on anything? Is it having a negative impact? Is it having a positive impact? Am I leaving this world better than, you know, I came into it? And I, I, I think like, yeah, it's a very existential question, but it's also a really important question. And I think the fact that that, that question is left out of entrepreneurship to the extent that it is, has created a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the world. So we want to dive into both of these things. And I, and I think, just sort of explain our own observations with respect to each of these aspects of meaning. And then also maybe share a little bit about how we've been able to find meaning in our work, both individually and sort of in a, in a larger way with a larger social impact. Yeah. When you first suggested this topic, I kind of like backed away and was like, ah, I can't talk about that unless I have it all figured out. If I know exactly what my purpose of my life is, my bigger why answered clearly and succinctly. And I don't have that. I don't have that. And so I felt really uncomfortable about it. But I think the point here is not us to talk as, you know, authoritatively about here's what we've done and here's what we figured out. It's just to introduce the concept. And um, I think that question, that bigger question of meaning and like, why am I here? And what is my life's purpose? And like, that's been asked and, you know, debated and for beginning of mankind, like, what am I doing in my life? Womankind, Why, wh womankind, Sandy, I'm going to oh, you. Sorry. Okay. Uh, humanity. Can I say that word? Sure. <laughs> but like, why am I here? And what do I do with this life knowing that I'm going to die at some point? Like, what is the meaning? What, what's the meaning of this life? Right? Like that's been debated for eons and there's been no answer. And so, but I think your point about bringing it into entrepreneurship is really, really important because that's, not happening. And we saw a really scary version of that in the startup world. Yeah. You know, that was terrifying in it some ways. It is terrifying. And it's happened. It's, it's like how, how the world works. It's not just startups. It's how business mm. works. I think um, it's really rare that that's not how business works. So, yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and dive into the individual meaning. Like, so this, this part one of our meaning conversation is, and, and I just want to say that there's this element in entrepreneurship that I've seen, like the same kind of people who go into entrepreneurship, the same kind of people who have that like drive to start a business are generally this, the people who are driven in sort of the self-development world. Um, a lot of our, our peers and friends are very motivated by that. And I think we are to some extent as well. Like mm -hmm. you want to be the best sure. version of yourself. But I think that there's this, distraction that comes from that world where you're so like navel gazing focused, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a cold shower and I'm going to eat this optimal nutrition and I'm going to life hack my way to this like optimal way of living. Like to, to the point, like wh why, 
why are you doing that? Like, what, what is the point of that? Like, obviously you want to be happy. And I, I think that's how folks answer that question. Like they're trying to find happiness. They're trying to be this best version of themselves. They're happier. They're more attuned to like what they're meant to do in some way because of this. But like, I, I think that there's, there's like a, a sliding scale here and you can go too far where you're so self-focused that you're losing perspective on like how, how what you're doing is having an impact. Like, you know, there are a lot of ways you can spend your day and there are a lot of things you can do. Like, so for example, it's a, tr- everything's a trade-off, right? This is something that we've been talking a lot about Sandy. And so if you're so focused on your routine and your like morning routine and your vitamin routine and your like cold shower routine, you know, I'm just trying to think of like all the things mm-hmm. I see all day in my social media feed. You're not going to stop and pay attention to the fact that like your neighbor is outside, like struggling to cut the tree down or like the things that I see in my like very now rural existence. Like you're not, you're not going to have time for that. Right. Cause you, you're like driven and you're on a schedule and you're not looking outside and noticing the fact that the snow is gently falling on the mountain behind you. And you know, like I, I love just sort of the, the idea of being open to the life around me and, and being available to, to people in my life who need me that like, if I'm so driven in the self-development focused existence, like I'm, I'm in a sense kind of too selfish to pay attention to like the things around me. And I, and I, I don't know, I don't want to call everyone selfish who, who lives like that, but I, but I, and I think you need to like find balance. Right. But, but like, I think that that is not talked about like me, like, what are you doing to create meaning in your life and with your work? It shouldn't mm-hmm. just be about making you happy or making you rich. I think there's a bit of a, a paradox. Like, yes, you personally want to be happy. You don't want to be, you know, living in depression and in a horrible situation or, you know, you, I think we need to be happy, but I'm not sure that the, I think that your own personal happiness may not be enough. So that it, to really find meaning is much, is, is, is way beyond you. Yeah, of course it is. Well, and I also think that your own personal happiness, like, is this elusive concept, right? Like you can hack your way to 1000 perfect habits and it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. And I, and I think folks are kind of searching for that. And I think they're sort of searching for like, finding some kind of meaning in the fact that they did well in their business. And that, and I, and I think that that is true to a degree. Like I know, you know, when we've done really well, when we've had really good weeks or months with our companies that like that feels very fulfilling. And so I think that's important to acknowledge that that is a goal and it is a big part of running a business. But I I also think like, but it's fleeting. Yeah, it is fleeting. And it's, it's, Beyond the ego boost of feeling like, hey, I did really well. I crushed it. What is what the hell is the point of that? (laughs) You know, like you have to have something Mm -hmm. tied to the fact that you did that, like that that's deeper. And I I don't know. I mean, I I just think I, I hope that we're not coming across as too brash or that I'm not coming across that way. But I just want folks to consider like 
what is the meaning of your individual daily work and like the meaning that like, why, why are you doing it? And, and, you know, Simon Sinek talks about like, start with why and finding your why. And we've been through a number of entrepreneurship programs, Sandy and courses and been part of communities where finding your why is really important. And, and we both have noticed something really interesting in those situations where oftentimes people's why, right. Is like, so that I can support my family so that I can pay off my house and like, that's not really the point, right? That's not like, your why. No. That is not your no. why. And so like, why is it so hard for folks to figure out kind of a deeper purpose for what they're doing? Like you're motivated by, by some sort of like, I don't know, calling to do something, right? Like you, you ideally want that to happen. And how do you figure out what that is? I mean, I think that's a big question. We have, we have a lot of tools that we use personally to figure those things out. You know, part of that is sort of understanding your core values and what you're really good at and what you really love to do. But, but I also feel like you can be really good at something and apply it in different ways. So for example, like you can be really, really good at money at bookkeeping or at managing money or at fundraising or something like you can choose to do that by like becoming a hedge fund manager and making a lot of money or you can choose to do that by you know like becoming a fundraiser for a major nonprofit organization or charity like you you can have like the same kind of skill set i guess like and mm-hmm. not that those two things are the same at all but that's just like a really generic analogy like you can have like the same sort of like skill set that you feel really excited about engaging with every day and then you can apply it to very different things and i think that's where the meaning part comes in like are you taking your sort of natural god-given talent and your unique genius in the world and are you applying that talent to something that's meaningful to, to like to you and to the community around you? Or are you just applying it to, you know, the low hanging fruit or what happens to make the most money? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's up to you to decide, just be aware of the fact that there's a choice there. And I, I also kind of think that there's like, are we chasing something that doesn't even exist? Yeah, sure. Like that's this whole self-help movement and and not to, I don't mean to, I mean, I've certainly gained a lot of insight and read my share of self-help and it's been really interesting and insightful, but I don't know that it's, I'm not sure that it's really helped me find more happiness. You know, like I'm like, huh, great. And then I move on to the next one and then I move on to the next one. You kind of keep sort of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a, a hamster wheel going from the next book to the next book to the next idea and I think what's missing is that we're not looking big enough. We're not looking outside of us. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had lots of conversations. And it's part of why I joined, honestly, why I joined you on Namastream is that the impact that this business can have on multiple people's lives and income and freedom, that's really important to me. Yeah, sure. And me too. <laughs> right. And, that, yeah. and that's why you started it. But yeah. That drives me more than making a $10 million business. Way more, way, way, way more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, so just a few basic, uh, basic facts out there and facts loosely here, just what I've sort of learned and appropriated over time. 
$70,000 US a year. Like once you make more than that, we all know this, like you're not going to be happier. Like you have to sort of reach this base level of sustenance and ability to support yourself and pay for your basic needs and feel secure financially. And then everything above that doesn't really affect your happiness for any length of time. Like we're generally all hovering around a seven, like seven out of 10 at happiness. Like that's what we are. When things are really bad, we're worse off for a little while, but we bounce back to seven. When things amazing thing happens, you know, our business makes a million dollars. We win the lottery, like, you know, we have a baby, whatever, like we bump up to 10, but you go back down to seven really fast. Like that's the way it works. So, so like, this is getting into the fact that like, there's no accomplishment or achievement, right. That's going to keep you up there in that like perfect realm of happiness. What you can do is you can try to like get there more often, stay there longer, you know, try to find a way to do that. But is that really worth your life's work? Right. Is that like really worth the majority of your mental and intellectual energy over the course of your days. For me, it's not, you know, everyone gets to make that decision themselves. And I, and I think for some people it will be, and it is, but I just would hope that people are at least aware of the fact that that's a choice, you know, that you can choose to spend your time and your sort of like intellectual capital on something else if you wanted to and your emotional capital. Um, and, and like, you don't, like that, that, that elusive happiness is not, it's not really, you're not going to find it. So short term, it's just short term. Yeah. You're not going to, it's not going to really fundamentally change the course of your life. So, so like maybe try to find a different reason to do something. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. So like, let's just, there's a couple of, of caveats, I think that like we were, we've been talking about around this topic, Sandy. And one is just, you know, thinking about the community that you're serving with your business. So again, like you have some sort of unique genius and skill set and drive, right? Like you're listening to this, you're an entrepreneur. Um, If you're in our community, you're probably like a wellness driven person. There are different kinds of people you can serve, right? So you can choose to take your talent and your energy and your wisdom and your genius and apply it to like lots of different things. So just, so obviously you want there to be like some sort of financial viability associated with that, but like really think about what can I do with who I am and what I know that's going to have the kind of impact that's going to be meaningful to me. Like, what do I want my legacy to be? Like, think about things in in terms of that. Like, I just remember when I was starting Namastream and I was in a community of, of folks trying to sort of like figure out what industry they wanted to develop software companies in. And I remember we were talking about this, Sandy, that like, people were, were talking about how like pest control was a really lucrative industry at the time. And I just like, I just felt, (laughs) you know, in my being like, that is just absurd. Like, like, unless you (laughs) really love, unless unless you feel some like deep connection to like eradicating pests from people's houses. Like, I just cannot imagine feeling driven enough to like, to, to, and like to feel good about my, my life personally. Like I can't, I wouldn't make that choice. Right. And I didn't, um, and not like, 
you know, I, I feel like there, I could say this about a thousand industries. So pest control is like not being zeroed in, but like, is that really what you want to do? You know, like if, if you're going to invest all the time and energy and, and resources into starting something and growing something and nurturing something like you should think pretty long and hard about what the ultimate impact is of that body of work like that to me, that's just obvious. And, and it's, it was so surprising to me. This is less a judgment on the folks who are doing this and more a judgment on the fact that like no one is even thinking in those terms. Like no one's even questioning, like, what is the ultimate outcome of this? Like, it's only thought of as the outcome of like, this is going to make me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I can retire my wife or I can pay off my house or whatever. Like, that's the only part of the equation that's being considered. To, right. like, to, I just can't relate. I don't know. And when you were watching the pest control example, I was watching the ophthalmology example of like, you know, this would be a really good idea. And ophthalmologists make this much money and we could charge this much monthly and they wouldn't even notice it. And I remember listening to this conversation going, is this, is this what it's about? Who we can make the most money from based on their revenue and the max we can charge from them. And I remember thinking, that's not, it's not why I'm doing this. It's not how my logic is going to go when I choose what business I'm creating or what niche market I'm going to serve. It's, it's just not, but at the time I don't, didn't have the, I remember just kind of rolling my eyes going, that's just dumb, but I didn't have the like words around it. Like saying, this is wrong. Like what, it, what is the bigger picture? Like, can we just please have that conversation? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, it's hard for me to say, say like wrong or right. I just think that there's like something missing in the conversation or something missing in the calculation there. And I, but I, I don't think this is unique to entrepreneurship. Like I said, I think this is how the majority of businesses are run and organizations are run just like this. Like what's going to make the most money? Like, this is why, like we have corporate personhood in the United States, at least this is why, you know, share, like when you have a, a company with a board of directors, like that you have to, you're like in the U S you're legally obligated to make sure that you're protecting the shareholders above all else. Like there's, there are like real decisions that we've made as a society that reinforce these kinds of decision-making processes. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, like entrepreneurship, as we've talked about, is this like great opportunity to sort of like reinvent your entire world. Like that's what Derek Sivers says, right? Like he says, this is your chance to create your own utopia, like to do it your way, to do it the way you wish everyone else like could do it. And it's your chance to really like live out your own vision of what the world can be like. And so like, by golly, you should do it, you know, like at least be aware that you can, you know, that it's not just about this bottom line. And here, here's like, I don't know, here's my sobering truth from having been in this world for a few years. And then having been most of my life around like very wealthy, powerful people because of the, the, the choices I've made and, and how I've worked. Like, if you want to make a lot of money, this is not what you should be doing. Like going back to hedge funds, like go be like, learn how to be a hedge fund manager. If you want to make a lot of money, like that is your ultimate goal. Like, I'm sorry. Like this is, this is really not what you should be doing with your life. And I, you know, to, to our audience in the wellness space, you all have made this sort of, I, I, I think like you've made these choices already, but we have, 
you know, a whole bunch of people in our, in our society that don't think like you. And I think we as sort of female entrepreneurs and, and women in tech and, you know, all of the roles that we're, that we're in the hats we're wearing, Sandy, like we have an obligation, I think, to at least start to talk about these things more rather than just sort of silently let them eat away at us. Yeah, absolutely. We do. And I think my frustration watching specifically the tech space and the sort of startup world is that there's this push for bigger and better and that the exit strategy is the end goal. And that's either an IPO, you know, take it public or sell it. And that's what drives you, you know, that's the whole purpose. And that's, that's hard for me to swallow. Like, I don't think like, what's wrong with having a smaller company? What's wrong with a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar company or a $300,000 or a million dollar you know, there's those companies can add a lot of value to this world and there may not be an exit strategy. And I think that is just fine if that's what you choose to, if that's how you choose to run your company, but that's not the narrative around startups and tech and growth and investment, all that. Yeah, no. And, and, and I mean, let's just like be clear to a lot of folks who are in our community are much, much smaller businesses, small service-based businesses. And I, I think like that, this conversation is not exactly relevant, but I still think, you know, there is an element there where you can be actively considering the legacy of your body of work. And it's not just about like, how do I make it through the next month or how do I reach a certain revenue goal? Like really starting to shape your career and your as an entrepreneur and as a business owner around a, a certain legacy or a certain mission. And I, I mean, we see this also all the time. You see, you know, an organization that we love is, is for example, Yoga Behind Bars, where that's, that's a nonprofit. It's not a business per se, but like th- this is a group group of yoga teachers, which, you know, are a lot of folks in our community who've chosen to find a way to take that, that knowledge and that skill set and apply it in a really impactful way in prisons. And I, and I, I mean, you know, there are a lot of great kind of like social justice workers out there in the health and wellness sector, but there's also a lot of money making sort of like snake oil going on in wellness too. And I, I think it's, it's up to everyone to sort of choose you know, what you want to do with your, with your, let's like Mary Oliver says, like, what do you want to do with your like one precious wild and precious life? Like, what is it you you get to decide? And I mean, to me, I wouldn't choose anything at this point other than being an entrepreneur. I couldn't imagine it. That serves me. The meaning of that serves me greatly in my life. And I, and I think if you're drawn to it, like you, if you're drawn to being an entrepreneur, you sort of have to, or it will like slowly eat away at you if you, if you don't pursue that path. Um, but, but I also wanted to talk about Viktor Frankl and, you know, mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about this individual level of meaning and for those of you who aren't aware of Frankl's work, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning about Holocaust survivors, essentially saying that folks who were able to survive in like Nazi prison camps were people who had a deeper sense of meaning. They weren't just focused on their own survival. They were focused on something bigger and it helped them to like survive in this extremely traumatic environment. There's a ton of other work on the role that meaning plays in, in someone's life. And so I think just you know, if you have a connection to deeper meaning, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be happier, your, your daily life is going to be better. And I think as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, like it's really worth considering. 
that for yourself, especially if you're spending a lot of time thinking about like nutrition hacking and, you know, these other things like, great, you know, take care of yourself, like be good to yourself. But, but, but this like having deeper meaning in your life also is a way of being good to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I read in the six pages uh, yes, of uh, <laughs> the power of meaning. I don't think we actually mentioned the title of that book, the power of meaning crafting a life that matters. She talks about how our universe, well, a particular specifically American universities where people would study and it would be all about, you know, philosophy and humanity and kind of looking and sort of architecting the meaning of their life. And then in the early 1900s, things changed where it would be like based on scholarship. And so they got really specific in their programs. Like you would study science or you would study math and this whole like humanities and this, like how you live was completely dropped from curriculum. And, and it was based on the German university system where they just, it was really, you know, specific sort of courses that you took, you chose a path, but how to live was no longer emphasized. And they have, she has a stat here on page five that is super interesting to me about the American freshman survey, have you heard of that? Is that a thing that people do or know? I don't know. <laughs> okay. They have tracked the values of college students since the 1960s. And in the 60s, the late 60s, the top priority of college freshmen was developing meaningful life philosophy. And so 86% of the freshmen said that that's what that was what was important to them. Is an important life goal. And in the, when they tracked it, and as they continue to track it each year in the 2000s, their top priority became being well off financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like it doesn't the surprise shift, me. The shift from like, I want to live, you know, a meaningful life to what can I achieve? What can I earn? You know, my value is wrapped up in my career and my success and my promotion and the, the amount of dollars I bring in every year. Like, I just find that kind of incredibly sad for all of us, you know, that, 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 that focus has shift. Yeah. Well, and I think the self-development world plays sort of a role in that. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, like I, I, we, not to like harp on that, but I think that we're constantly like, again, navel gazing and looking for ways to make ourselves happy or to do what we think will make us happy. And a lot of that is, is like rooted, has been rooted in materialism and the other dirty side of that, like that's, it's, it's just sort of like emotional materialism is to kind of like figure out what makes you happy and to like constantly be gluttonous about your own, your own level of happiness. Um, so, yeah. so I'm just going to throw another stat out. So according to psychology today in the year 2000, the number of books that were published on happiness was 50 in 2000, which really isn't that long ago. And in 2008, um, that number was 4,000 Yeah, on, on specifically on happiness. Yeah. Right. So that's just like where the psychology and the research, everything is pointing at ha- our happiness, mm-hmm. not our meaning in life, but our happiness. So it, and the, it's a subtle difference, but immense at the same time. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I have sort of a similar experience. It's not over time with this mass study, but I remember when I started law school, uh, my entire class, the first year of law school for our orientation, they had, I don't, I guess, I don't even remember how many of it, like 300 students, 200 students in my class. And the dean stood up in the front of the room and said, how many of you 
decided to come to law school because you cared about mm. justice, because you wanted to do something positive oh, and bring justice to people's lives. And like almost every single person stood up and it was like this huge room, this big like classroom, courtroom style classroom with, you know, risers basically going up the, the side of the room and almost every single person stood up and you know, by the end of that, the vast majority of folks, of course, because of the way debt, school debt situations are and life happens and people start having babies and getting married and having responsibilities, almost, you know, no one ends up going into public service. There's also like hardly any jobs in public service law. And it's hard to get those jobs and they don't pay very much and you have debt and everything else. And I just remember seeing like this, this transition that happened over three years to my classmates and, you know, just knowing, and we were also very aware and, and being um, taught sort of like about high rates of alcoholism and depression and suicide in the profession and just how actually measurable so many people are who go into law, who like once they're pr practicing law. And I just, I remember just feeling sickened by the, the whole entire thing. It's like a machine that's taking people who are excited and, mm. and, and smart and driven and putting them through this like intense ringer that turns them into like sort of unhappy, alcoholic, miserable people. And, you know, like, again, not to characterize too much, but I, you know, obviously it's not everyone, but, but like, that's the, that's what happens to my profession. And I don't know. I think it's worth thinking about like, what is, you know, what does that strong drive to accomplish just for the sake of accomplishment? What does that do to you? You know, and again, like we're very ambitious, but our ambition is rooted in, in wanting to have impact and not in just like ambition in and of itself, because I think that's a really dangerous territory to tread on. Yeah, sure it is. I don't know. Sure it is. That's that's fascinating. Just like it broke all your spirits, right? Just yeah. broke you down. Yeah, but you see it. You saw it coming. I mean, I saw it coming. I was really lucky. I got a. I had a scholarship. I wasn't even allowed to work in corporate law or to even like uh -huh. interview for those jobs, or and I didn't have the same sort of debt burden. But I was really lucky. But I I just saw it happening to people like the most driven and bright people, right? Like in uh -huh. the generation go into law and medicine and whatever else. Right. And then like it breaks them. So <laughs> it's kind of sad. And you are going to be the doctor. <laughs> I was going to be the doctor. Yeah. You came to your senses. That's right. I did. <laughs> oh man. Do you want to move to joy and hustle? Yeah, I think we'll probably save the other part of meaning that sort of larger overall impact that you have, you know, in society the rest of that conversation, we should do another episode on that, Sandy, sure. and maybe yeah, we'll call it meaning sense. part two or impact. So if you're listening to this, like, you know, long after it comes out, you'll probably be able to go and find that, that episode. And we'll probably go back and link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the joy and hustle. Why don't you do the joy first? Sure. I, I just don't think we've really said this very clearly or the author's <laughs> name at all. It's like the book. It's, the it's book. Friday night. This is what page, happens when we record on Friday night. Of the book. <laughs> so it's called The Power of Meaning, Creating a Life That Matters. And the author is Emily Eshfahani Smith. And I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Beautiful book so far in the actual, it's nine pages that I've read. She is of Iranian descent 
and she grew up in a Sufi household. And she has these beautiful stories about, you know, memories of her childhood in Montreal when these these uh, Sufis would come and like meditate in her house in this main room and serving tea and eating sugar with them. And it's beautiful. And she could see that their purpose, their meaning was much bigger than their own individual lives. And that was sort of her introduction to meaning. And then she went on to study philosophy and has now written this, this book. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's very casual and very, you know, about her life and it's not too heady or philosophical. It's easy to read. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to diving a little bit deeper into it. And I can't wait. Your, your hustle is super interesting to me. So I'll let you talk about that. Yeah. So, okay. So for the hustle this week, there's like a big hustle and then like an example hustle in the hustle. So it's like a nested Russian, (laughs) Russian Russian doll doll hustle. (laughs) So I want to talk about Thomas Friedman's last book, which is called Thank You for Being Late. But instead of telling you to go read the book, which I think you should if you're if you want to, it's an optimist guide to thriving in the age of accelerations. It's awesome. It's really, really good. I think if you want the cliff note version of this book, I would love for you to go watch his talk that he gave at Google recently about this topic. And the bigger picture of of this hustle is just that if you don't already know about it, I mean, we link to a lot of things like TED Talks in our community and our Facebook groups, and then also like even so far in show notes in the, for the podcast. But if you don't know about it, Google has a ton of free, amazing video talks that are much more informal than TED Talks with a lot of the same thinkers and just even more diverse thinkers. Are they longer, Jenny, or or yeah, still yeah, they're longer. Short. They're yeah, longer. They're okay. longer. They're like an hour. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. Like, so basically what happens again, I'm not so articulate because it's Friday night, but basically what happens is Google and their campuses, they invite these like leading thinkers and thought leaders to come and give talks to their employees. And, and sometimes the public, like that's when I went to go see Tara Sophia Moore at Google's headquarters in, in Kirkland, which is near Seattle. And they film these and because Google owns YouTube, they go straight up to YouTube and they're often the kind of amazingly informal conversations with these really brilliant thought leaders and, and round table little conversations. Like it's not super polished or fancy. It's just people sitting in a room at Google with like a famous thinker sitting there, like the thinker gives a talk and then people get to ask questions. So it's also really neat because with Ted talks, you don't get Q and a, and with these you get Q and a. So if you don't know about these Google talks, like seriously, just, is that what they're called as Google I talks? It's, Google, there... it's, there's a YouTube channel for it. Yeah. We'll put okay. it in the show okay. notes. Okay. Yeah. There's like a, there's a ton of them. They happen like every day. Cause hmm. there's like the like California campus and the Seattle campus and the New York campus, they're just like constantly brilliant people going to give talks at Google. I don't know if they're paid or what, but anyway, if you don't know about it now you do, it's like, it's an amazing resource. So, and then Thomas Friedman's book, thank you for being late, which is also a talk at Google that you can go and listen to him give this amazing presentation. And I, I do think he actually has slide deck there too. I think so. If I remember the presentation correctly, so you can, you can hear him talk about it. And basically what this book and this body of work is about is just this idea that 2007 was a major inflection point in, in terms of technology and in terms of our global economy. And the world has had this rapid, rapid change over the last 10 years that is far greater than anything that we've ever seen, at least for, you know, like 500 years and how, 
the economy is changing, the way we relate to our communities is changing, and it's only going to accelerate. And in fact, technology is accelerating at a much faster pace than sort of the human ability to adapt. And this is important because you want to make sure that you as like an individual and as a citizen and as a member of society are aware of the forces that are shaping your life and your ability to provide sustenance to yourself and your family. And also, I think it gives you a really interesting view into where you may be able as sort of a wellness practitioner or as an entrepreneur to have particular impact in this phase of time. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. I think you should go and at least listen to the talk. And if not, you know, invest in the book or the audiobook, although it is not read by Thomas Friedman and it has one of those sort of like, in my mind, off narrations. <laughs> so I wouldn't um, personally partake in the audio. You can listen to the audible sample yourself in Amazon and see if it suits you. But yeah, like just have a go. Like I just encourage you to, to dive in. It's, it's a really well-written book. It's really approachable. The stories are brilliant and, and, you know, just sort of Think about your role in society as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and as a thinker and participant in, in our culture and think about where you want to find leverage. And just it's, it's helpful to know sort of what the big changes are that are happening with respect to technology and the economy as you do that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to, I haven't watched that, but it's really intriguing to me. So I definitely will. We'll click on the show notes and find that. And maybe Google one talk. day our podcast will, with our podcast, we'll be able to ask Thomas Friedman to come on as a guest, Sandy. Sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? Like how many, how many podcast requests can he get? No, this would be the most off the wall podcast <laughs> request he would ever get. But you know, you never say no. Yeah. You dreams know. happen. <laughs> right. All right. This has been great. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah. Love thank it. you, Sandy. And we will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample.